Hello, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Nightlight Tales podcast. Those returning, thank you. Those new here, welcome. Now, let's get into it. I recently published this short story, Webs, on the Kindle Vela platform and thought I would drop it into this podcast as well. Not really sure what Kindle Vela will become or truly what it is right now, but I had this story lying around buried in my Nightlight Tales 2 collection, so I thought I would publish it. At least I now have yet another place to self-publish my work, and you too can purchase my stories by checking out the links in this episode's description. All right, let's get into the story. Gary stopped when he reached the idol. He stared at it a moment, basking in the warm glow of its golden light. He'd been searching the world over via the internet, and finally, finally, he was standing before the thing he desired for so long. He pulled off his cap and ran his hands through his thick black hair. It was hot down inside the belly of the pyramid, so hot that even khaki shorts, a white tank top, and sandals wasn't keeping him cool. He licked his lips nervously and thought about the prize in front of him. He knew the idol wasn't cursed from the research he'd done on it, research he had obsessed over for the last 10 years of his life, but he was still hesitant to pick it up and hold it in his hands. What's keeping you? Lana asked from behind him. She had her blonde hair tied up in a long ponytail and was wearing shorts, sandals, and a t-shirt. I just don't know if I should take it or not. Why? she asked. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself why it's still sitting here, sitting in this tomb of a room buried in the belly of this pyramid? Gary replied, looking around at his surroundings. The walls and ceiling were made of stone, well-aged, and covered in spider webs. Lots of spider webs. The floor under his feet was covered in loose white sand, the color of dried bones, and it made scratchy noises whenever they walked on it. I honestly don't know why, and I honestly don't care. Either grab it or not. I think it's time we left. We've been roaming this place since this morning. Night's coming on in the desert, and our batteries are running low. So are our supplies, she replied, noticing how her flashlight was pushing out a dull yellow beam. She also could feel the lightness in her backpack as it rested on her shoulders. Okay, I'll grab it, but I'm not selling it. Well, (laughs) it's not going in her home. He turned to look at her. Where in the hell else should I put it? I don't know. Maybe we'll make you a little shrine out back. Buy a tiny home. We'll call it the tiny home of the gods. We can go out and worship it every night before bed. Very funny, he replied, as something skittered down the hall outside the room they were standing in. They both turned towards it. What the hell was that? Gary asked, inching closer to the open door, trying to get a look out into the hallway. Spooky is what it was. Now, let's get the thing and go. Maybe you're right about that, Gary replied, turning around and walking back to the small edge, also covered in spider webs. The solid gold pyramid was sitting on. The skittering sound erupted again, and they both spun around, frozen in fear, feet glued to the bone-colored sand. I didn't think this place was haunted, Lana replied, looking back at Gary. It's an ancient fucking pyramid in the ancient fucking desert. I'd say all bets are off when it comes to if this place is haunted or not, he replied, 
sarcastically. Smartass, she rolled her eyes and turned back to the opening of the room. Nothing moved. Nothing rustled. Nothing stirred. Gary left her on guard duty and turned back to the idol. He was sure it wasn't booby-trapped, sure it was safe to take, but he still hesitated. It had been sitting here for a long time, longer than him, longer than most of the world, and now he was just going to up and pluck it away? He wasn't sure he could do that, and as he stood there thinking, he heard the rustling again. This time it came from above. He took out his flashlight, beam also dull and lifeless, and shined it up into the upper gloom of the room. He thought he saw something, something unusual, just as the battery died. Shit! What? Lona asked, turning away from the opening. My flashlight just died, and I think I saw something, he replied, looking up into the darkness again, putting the flashlight away. What did you see? Lana asked, as her flashlight took a turn towards death and then came back on. That's when something fell off the ceiling and landed on her hand. It felt like a web, a silky, sticky spider web. But something about it wasn't right. It had life. It had energy. It had a pulse. It was also eating into her flesh, peeling away from the bone. That's when she started to scream. Gary turned towards her as her flashlight fell onto the ground. He picked it up and with shaky hands, shined the light on her. Lana was standing there, holding up her left arm. At the place where her hand should have been was a bloody, ragged stump. A crimson river mixed with pieces of bone and tattered flesh oozed down her forearm and onto her elbow. When the river reached the end of her elbow, it dripped onto the floor, pulling up by her left foot in the bone-white sand. She had a stunned look in her eyes, a look of utter shock, and then panic set in. She bolted towards the opening that led out of the room and into the hall and into freedom. Gary, stunned and unable to move, watched Lana run towards the exit and didn't even tell her to stop when he saw what was covering the round, open doorway. It was a web, perfectly formed, perfectly placed, covering the opening from bottom to top and side to side. How had it formed, or when had it formed? He had no clue, but there wasn't an inch of space to escape out of. Lana slammed into the web and immediately stuck to it. She hung there for a moment, stunned and shocked. Hold on, Gary replied, trying to make his brain figure out what to do next. A second later, as Gary pulled out his pocket knife, Lana started to scream when the web started to burn her skin. She panicked, gyrated, thrashed, and fought to get free. This sent skin and blood, along with various body parts, flying all over the room, most of which landed on or near Gary, who was standing like a statue frozen in place, still holding the unopened pocket knife in his hand. And as the human debris shower rained down on him, he heard something, something he wasn't sure he was hearing correctly. It sounded like a crunching sound. The web was starting to eat her. Gary backed up from the web as it started to move up and down like a mouth. It was consuming what was left of Lana. He watched in horror as the web tore free from the opening and dropped onto the floor with a squishy thump. Lana now cocooned inside it, being 
devoured. He didn't know what to do. Grab the idol, make a run for it. Leave the idol, make a run for it. Stand there and piss himself. All of them seemed like great options. While he stood there debating, that's when he saw the spider. And behind it crawled her babies, who quickly converged on the Lana cocoon and began to scramble over it, eating and devouring the web and what was left of his wife of two years. Happy years, mostly. Those spiders who couldn't feast on the web started scurrying into the room in order to eat Lana's scattered body parts. Gary's eyes darted for the entrance, now open, free and clear. He made a run for it, leaping over what was left of Lana's cocoon, landing squarely in the narrow hallway covered in the same sandy floor as the room. Behind him, he heard a hiss and turned to see the mama spider rear upon her hind legs. She was an ugly thing, ten feet long from front to back, at least twenty feet wide from side to side, black thick fur covering her from head to toe. She had beady red eyes and two large venomous fangs. Her babies were just miniature versions of their mama. If you can call spiders three feet long and ten feet wide, miniature. Gary took one last look at the room, thinking of the idol, thinking of his quest, thinking of how long he had waited to see and hold it in his hands. He gave up on the dream and made a run for it. At the end of the hall, he slid to a pause, sending sand flying into the air. Something was obscuring the light. Something was covering up his exit. He could hear the mama spider moving towards him, legs skittering across the sand as he stepped up to the web and looked it over. It perfectly covered his exit from side to side and from top to bottom. He reached out and touched it to be sure it was as toxic as the one that had killed Lana. He pulled his hand back when he felt a sharp sting of pain. He looked down at the tips of his fingers and saw small droplets of blood. He closed his eyes, sighed, hung his head, and waited for death. The End Need to email? Zombiebeach3 at gmail.com is the place to do it. You can also hear my voice on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and the Songlines and Tanlines podcast. That's it. Thanks for listening. And remember this, folks. Remember this very, very well. There are things that lurk in the darkness. Things that are better left out of sight. So you better keep that nightlight burning each and every night.